Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 27. Jesus and Zacchaeus. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came by to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem, because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten manas and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated them, hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him. He might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your manah has made 10 manahs more. And he said to him, uh, sorry, he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you've been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10, over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your manah has made five manahs. And he said, and you are to be over five cities. And then another came saying, Lord, here's your manah, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the manah from him and give it to the one who has the ten. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten manas. I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thomas, if you weren't awake before, you are now. Man, from the very familiar Jesus and Zacchaeus yeah, yeah, yeah. to slaughter uh, them before a, a, a different take on uh, on what's probably more well known of a, a parables or, or I'm not a parables it is a parable but <laughs> Good, a, a, a parable on the talents yes yes it's a, it's a type of parable on the talents and just for those of you who are like what is this guy saying you might know it as the parable of the ten minus or minus. But we did just confirm both through Lagos and through YouTube that M-I-N-A-S is pronounced Mana. Really, it's pronounced Na. Like, but anyways, yeah. so it is a funny word to say over and over again. 
But you know, we got we got these two stories, uh, which you know, two feels very manageable uh, from the pace we've been doing, like eight. It feels like a day. Um, so we got Jesus and Zacchaeus, um, and man, Luke, uh, he really did it to Zacchaeus like that. You know, <laughs> just outing him for for being a a wee little guy, um, and you know, he climbed up in the tree, see Jesus, he he has this awesome repentance. Um, there's of course some, you know, uh, high horse grumbling going on in the background. And we have the son of man came to seek and save the lost. That's how that story ends. And then the other one ends with, uh, you know, as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. And I, I love the, the gospels because a lot of times they really contrast these sorts of things. Uh, and so, you know, in, in one instance, Jesus looks really merciful. God looks really merciful. In another, it almost seems merciless. So, Thomas, what are your thoughts on Manaz and the short king Zacchaeus? Man, well, you know, sometimes when you're reading through the Gospels, you're kind of reading from a modern standpoint of, um, if I read a book, a good book, the the next paragraph is going to at least acknowledge the paragraph before. Mm. We're not going to do a total about face um, and just totally shift gears. But when you read the gospel, sometimes that's true. Sometimes the way they're compiled, it's like, oh, this is happening because of this and this is happening because of this. But other times we see a story and we have to like say, well, what is that doing next? So these stories have some parallels, but they also have some real differences here. Mm-hmm. One is an actual story, and one is a parable. Yep. Um, and I think the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus, uh, you ever, you know, like if I told you like a kid's story and you knew the story, mm. you might like kind of zone out and think about something else because you're like, I know this story. Mm-hmm. That's the danger. I do that with most stories that you tell me though. So. Oh, that's, thank you. <laughs> I'm kidding. What okay. were you saying? Sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyways, kid stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the danger with familiar passages. Mm. Because the word of God is living and active, but in our brains, sometimes we're like, oh yeah, I know that. Yep. It's good to stop. And especially if you heard the story as a kid and you're listening to this now as a grown up to say, Lord, your word's living and active. What are you saying to me through the story of Zacchaeus? And I do think something's interesting. I think the, the, the punchline there is Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of people that had given up on Zacchaeus. Mm Mm-hmm. And Zacchaeus had had made a lifestyle for himself that would want some people to give up on him. Mm-hmm. He was a polarizing person. He was working for the Romans. Yeah, he, he was a traitor. He's a traitor. But Jesus looked at him and and just saw something different. Mm. He saw the kind of person he was seeking. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one that's something that we need to keep in mind. What let me not give up on folks. But two, just the power of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus here, going after the folks that everybody else had turned their nose up at. Mm-hmm. I mean, people talked about Zacchaeus at their dinner table and what a bad person he was. Oh, yeah. And Jesus is like, can I come to your dinner table? Yeah. I know. I mean, it, it's a it's a striking story. I mean, the the climbing of the tree is, is such a funny detail. And, you know, Luke's gospel we especially have to pay attention to the flow of stories and to the details of stories because that's right. You know, Luke is is writing this as a it's an account 
uh, to disciple Theophilus. Like it's it's to you know who's supposedly a, a you know higher official, and uh, and so everything here is purposeful, and, and I think that 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 detail he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him uh, because he was small in stature. There there's this like self-abandoning and, and sort of um self-disgracing i mean you know like hmm. this is like a little bit of of you know my my speculation but you're a tax collector for the romans i'm sure like there's this air of superiority this air of like taking yourself very seriously and, and authoritativeness and um it, it's kind of goofy like it, i think it's purposefully like a kind of goofy image to imagine like this guy is so short he can't even see Jesus, so he's climbing a tree, like a grown man climbing a tree to catch a glimpse of this guy. And there, there's this uh, undignified nature to just how bad Zacchaeus wants to encounter Christ, and, and Christ turns to him, and, and you know Christ invites himself over, as he often does, um, in, in his mercy, and. and you know, Zacchaeus, there, there's something about Christ where encountering him is so profound. Just a simple knowing encounter with him. Yes. It's so profound 100%. that, you know, like Jesus doesn't even like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't pronounce woes against Zacchaeus like he does the Pharisees, you That's know, right. and we don't, we don't have this sermon on generosity, but just from seeing Christ and seeing that the, the rumors he'd heard were true, he he immediately just repents and turns to him. And like that that just says a lot about the, about Christ, you know, and and that's really compelling. Um, so then we move forward um, as they heard these things. So this story it is connected, you know, like it's not like a off in a different place in a different time. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, uh, you know, and it's an interesting framing here. They thought that the kingdom of God was about to just snap immediately appear. Sure, they thought it was like right there. It was about to drop. Here it comes. Yeah, they thought it was about to drop, and uh, and so then there's this really interesting story of a nobleman, and you know before we even get to the manas uh, and the faithful and unfaithful servants, he's going to a distant land to receive a kingdom, and then he's going to return. And so, what do you make of like the framing of this story? Yeah, I, I think he's you know he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to his last Passover meal. Then he's on his way to the cross. I mean, he knows his fate is sealed. He mm-hmm. he knows where he's headed. Yeah, and so I think this is uh, not this is not a story told where he knows he's got time as a leisurely thing in front of him. Mm. This is an important parable uh, that he would tell, and I think <clears throat> he's talking to some of the folks who just to be very, very candid, just don't want Jesus to rule over them. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's talking to folks who think that they're really in charge of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. They have a prescription of how God should do it, how God ought to bring the kingdom, how it should be restored to the Jews because they have this right by birth that they're Abraham's kids mm-hmm. and you know that they that God promised them so they have this right and instead uh, the the last line here, but for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. 
Mm-hmm. I think there's this incredible picture here of Zacchaeus, who was an enemy of God, who's now reconciled with God mm. through Jesus. And there's mm. these other folks that don't think they're enemies of God. Mm. They think everybody else is an enemy of God, but they think they got it all figured out. Mm. And I think Jesus is just flipping the narrative sideways and saying, no, no, no. You, you people that are so secure in your self-righteousness, you're actually the ones that are going to get judged the hardest. Hmm. And, yeah. and so I think it's a, I think on one hand, it seems like, oh, he's casting judgment on them. On the other hand, I think knowing the the greater narrative of Jesus incarnate in his first coming, I think he's pleading for them to wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stop being so self-assured of your righteousness. Um, like the kingdom doesn't look like how you think it's going to look. And if you don't want me to reign over you, you will receive judgment. Mm-hmm. So now I think he's flipped over to the religious leaders. He's gone from this, this guy who's pretty secular, who's repented to the religious leaders that are secure in their religion versus their relationship with him. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I do think that that's a great reading of it. And, you know, an interesting detail is that we're told that his citizens, this this uh, nobleman, his citizens hated him. They despised him, mm. and they they said, "We do not want this man to reign over us." That's right. And you know, I think Jesus really here is addressing. You know, we've been told there's Zacchaeus. There, there's like this joyful uh, feast of sinners, and then there's the grumblers. Yeah, and it's those are the people who supposedly are really close to God because mm-hmm. they know a lot of big words and have big bookshelves, uh, you know, filled with, um, you know, just all this knowledge of of the God of Israel supposedly, and yet, and it's so just resonant with the Old Testament. It's like you know so much about me, but you do not know me. Yeah, you don't understand me, and. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been thinking so much about the passage, uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom, mm. the mighty man in his might, or the rich man in his riches. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he n- understands and knows me, mm. that I'm the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness. And then there's this idea of, uh, you know, to move forward, the manas or the talents, Mm-hmm. a deposit that we're supposed to steward. And, you know, I, I think like for us today and, and tell me what you like make of this, but, you know, I think there's probably like a few layers of meaning here. Um, but there, there's this idea of a deposit that mm-hmm. if, if it is acted upon faithfully will grow and yield into this like bounty, um, but that the wicked person sits on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that to me, that seems to be sort of two things, like the the testimony uh, of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. which is the gospel of Christ. And then um, the, the inheritance of the Holy Spirit. You know, we've, as believers, we've received the Holy Spirit. Um, and obviously this is pre-Pentecost. And so this would be sort of like, Contextual, contextualizing it post Pentecost, but you know Christ was teaching; he was preparing the birth of the church. That's right. But there's a the, this idea that we've been entrusted the Holy Spirit, the resurrection Spirit of God, 
Um, and that, you know, to, to venture on the Holy spirit fully mm -hmm. yields great bounty. Um, but it's actually great faithlessness and, and um, unfaithfulness to, to sit on it, you know, afraid um, out, out of this wrong fear of God and yeah. that like a right fear of God would actually lead us to, to venture on that. So I don't know what you make of that or the Man, other just, interpretations of the talents. Just recently I was hanging out with um, uh, an old friend of guy who used to be in our college ministry a few years ago. And he, um, he's, in some ways deconstructed. Mm -hmm. um, I think he would be, <clears throat> I think he'd be fine with me saying that uh, on this ODR. He, in some ways he's deconstructed. And I think part of it is he's, he's just so upset with the brokenness of the world and how can God let the world get so broken. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and in that, I think when we get to that spot, sometimes we become very just like about self. Mm-hmm. And we kind of take anything the Lord's deposited to us and we put it in a handkerchief mm. and we're like, well, the world's just messed up. I'm just going to like, what's the point? Mm. These other folks though, in the same world, the same world as the guy who took his mana and put it in a handkerchief, the other folks were like, well, I got this thing and the master entrusted it to me. I better do the best I can with it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much they were focused on, I got to change the whole world. They were just like, this is what I've been given. How how can I be a good steward of this for the master? And to me, like, I think what we have to do as if we are Christians, if we have been um, entrusted with the deposit of the Holy Spirit, we've mm -hmm. been sealed for the day of redemption. We've been marked as the Lord's. We have to say, maybe I can't fix the whole world. Maybe <laughs> I can't even fix my whole neighborhood. Yeah how am I doing in my home? Yeah. How am I doing at my work? Am I being faithful in the little things for the Lord? Because it says here that, uh, because you were faithful in little, I'll make you master over much. Like there's, I do think there's something to, Hey, if I'm 10 years old and I'm a Christian, I've been entrusted with something. Mm -hmm. If I'm 50 years old and I'm a Christian, I've been entrusted with something and we all have to do the best we can with what the Lord's given us in the moment in time that he's placed us. And that's all we can do. Yeah. And in that, I am showing Jesus, I want you to rule over me. Yeah. I want to be a part of your kingdom. I want you to rule over me. Amen. And so that's, to me, that's, that's what Zacchaeus did. He simply in, in saying, I'll pay the people back that I defrauded. I'll do all that stuff. He's, he's being very Levitical. He's, he's actually using a passage from Leviticus. And what he's saying is I want to be under your kingdom. Yeah. And these folks are saying, some of them are saying, I don't want to be under your kingdom. Yeah. And that's the that's the contrast compared between this story and this parable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great word. A great word to meditate on and uh, take stock of how faithful we are being in our lives. So for Thomas Nelson, this is Will Carlisle. We will see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. 
If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.